My name is Kurt. I know I've had the opportunity to meet many of you. I'm still getting to know a lot of you, and uh, it has been a joy to step into all that is Mosaic. And um, I had the opportunity to grab some coffee with Jacob and Louisa last time I was here from New Jersey, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed hearing their story. And I love it that Mosaic is a place where people get to come and really, um, they just get to hear from God. And then Mosaic gets to be a place that supports them as they respond to what God is doing in their life and all that God is calling them to. So um, I love it. And uh, so I think whatever way we can get behind Jacob and Louisa, um, just to keep them moving forward, um, let's do that, right? Um, So Jacob, thanks for sharing. Louisa, we're praying for you guys. We're excited to hear all that's to come. So um, my name's Kurt. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic, and I still feel like I've got one foot in and one foot out. It's a crazy time right now. Um, In fact, my family and I were in that place where we're having to lean in uh, with some real trust. The script that we had going into this transition, it's been thrown in the fire. Forget it. It's done. We're on our third buyer for our house now. It's crazy. Third time's a charm. We're hoping. We're hoping. Um, But just so you know, you know, I'm not just some guy who just drops in here, you know, in October, in November. Um, You guys are on my heart all the time. My family and I cannot wait uh, until we can get on the other side of this transition and we can be here with you just fully ingrained in everything that's going on. Uh, So we're really excited about the move to Lincoln High. Are you guys excited? Yes? Fantastic. Good. Good. Um, Let me just say a couple words about kind of Sunday morning church environment. Um, I think it's great that we're moving to Lincoln High, closer to the heartbeat of our city, going back to the mobile setup, so many hands on deck. It's a great, great thing. One of the things I want us to be careful of is let's not think of Sunday morning as the end game of everything that we do, right? We're going to be talking about Sunday morning a lot because it takes a lot of people, a lot of manpower to make something like this happen. Sunday mornings are not the end game, right? It's easy to kind of get into that mindset Well, gee, did we have a lot of people there? Um, Was there a lot of energy? Boom, wonderful. We we were successful that week. Fantastic. Game's over. Wait till next Sunday. Um, We don't want to go there. But Sunday morning is incredibly important. Not because it's the end game, but it's because it's the start of everything that we're leaning into in that next week. When we gather... In a place like this, all of us with our different stories, the different places that uh, we come from, the different things we're experiencing, um, God does something in our midst here, right? As we bring our, um, our brokenness, as we bring our hope, as we bring our despair, as we bring our healing, um, Jesus is in the midst of all of that, and he's making all things new, And then that sends us out into our week. And so it's the start of everything, which makes Sunday morning an incredibly vital experience for us as a community. But then what we do is we're sent out into the places that we live our lives, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools. We're sharing those spaces with others. Hopefully we're engaged in community with other people from Mosaic. We're rubbing shoulders with people who are really struggling, who are really hurting, who are facing despair, who are facing um, just circumstances that feel hopeless. But we get to step in and say, maybe we don't have all the answers right now, but we're with you. We're with you. 
Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful message to bring to somebody? I may not have everything that will solve your dilemma. I may not have everything that can put all of this brokenness back together, but I'm with you in this, and I'm not going anywhere. And we just, we, we bleed out, right? We bleed out that love and just that compassion for people. But then the beautiful thing is we get to come back the next Sunday, and we start that whole process over again as God pours into us and we get to go out and, and just be with our community. So Sunday mornings are incredibly vital. And so thank you for all of you, the part that you will play um, in helping us put together this mobile setup teardown. It takes a lot of hands. It takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of energy. Um, but together we can do it. And no, it's not the end game in everything we are as a community. But it's so vital because it's the start of everything that sends us off into our week. So we've been, um, as a church, going through this series, Out of the Wilderness. And generally, going into the wilderness is often one of the ways that we experience just incredible life transformation. Probably all of us in here at some point in time went into the wilderness where we were utterly confused Maybe we were even a part of a church, and we experienced something that was tragic. We experienced something that we didn't see coming, and it was like, what is going on here? And we had a lot more questions than we had answers. Maybe for some of us, life threw something our way, and the script that we had for ourselves, um, all of a sudden, it was thrown up in the air, right? It was tossed in the fire. Where am I going to go here? What's the meaning of all of this? And we're filled with questions. But yet, as we entered into the wilderness where everything is cloudy and we feel like we can't even see what's down the road or around the corner other than just what's right in front of us, somehow we realize that God meets us in that place. Right? For a lot of us, that, that's where everything changed. God met us in an incredibly real way in that place. Which is interesting because a lot of times, churches, we do whatever we can do to keep people from going there, right? To keep people from questioning, to keep people from those dark places, to keep people from, from kind of really wrestling with things. But here at Mosaic, we want to be a church that enter that wrestle, ask those questions. If you need to go there, go there because you know what? There is love and there is grace and there is mercy that makes room for you to kind of just be there In whatever you need to be, whatever emotional state you need to be in, whatever questions you need to ask, whatever you need to wrestle with, God's not afraid of that. And at Mosaic, we don't want to be afraid of that. We want to be a place that isn't afraid to go into the wilderness. And God, in a sense, kind of brought Mosaic into the wilderness, right? There's been a lot of change, a lot of transition over the last year, even with some mysterious guy like me who shows up once a month now. Who is he here? Is he not here? What is it? We hope to be here soon, right? There's, there's this transition that God is bringing us into. There's this wilderness season that's still continuing, but yet at the same time, we feel ourselves emerging out of the wilderness, right? Wow, God's moving us closer to the heart of our city. What's it going to be like? What's going to happen in that place? What's going to happen to us as a church, this seven, eight-year-old community? How is God going to keep moving us forward? So we're all asking that question as a church. But I know that we're all asking that question as individuals too, right? There's something that we're facing in our life right now. How is this going to play out? How is this relationship going to develop or how is it going to end? 
How is this financial crisis that I'm facing going to right itself? Or, or is it going to just end up in tragedy? What about maybe this thing that I'm dealing with internally and it's just eating me up and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through it, but I just don't know what's going to happen. And we'd like to know the script, right? We would like to know how all of this is going to play out. But God brings us into the wilderness because it's there in the wilderness that we encounter God in this whole different way where God's saying, I just want to be with you. Let's, let's take that script and that desire for a script that we have and let's just kind of throw that away. And let's do life together. Bill, last week, he talked about a life of faith really being a life of improv, right? And, and if you've ever done improv, there is no script. There's only a small group of people gathering together saying yes to each other. And so in a sense, God desires this incredibly intimate improv between us and him where he's right here with us and saying, all right, here's what we have to work with, right? And some of us will wake up tomorrow morning and we'll be like, okay, Monday morning, here it is. These are the props that are before me. This is crazy. What am I supposed to do with this? But God's saying, I'm right here with you. Let's make the most of it. Let's step into it. Where there's chaos, let's create some beautiful order and try to make some sense of this. Where there's some brokenness, let's try to bring some healing. Where there's some darkness, let's try to bring some light. And people in improv, you, when you enter into that kind of relationship, it's a matter of just saying yes to each other. But not a matter of just saying yes, but then contributing. So it's yes and. And there is no script. You just have to go with it. I love this, um, this phrase that uh, Pope Francis was giving in the midst of one of his homilies. I think, do we have it on the screen here maybe? We are impatient, anxious to see the whole picture. Let's just pause with that for a moment. Can you feel that right now in an area of your life? Can you feel that? You're impatient. You're anxious to see the whole picture. But God lets us see things slowly, quietly. The church has to learn to wait. The church has to learn to wait. This morning, as we continue this series, Out of the Wilderness, I want to encourage us in becoming a people who are kind of a non-anxious, unhurried bunch. Could you imagine that? What a gift that would be to our world right now, right? I mean, when we look around the world, what do we see? We see incredible hurry, incredible just make this happen, make this happen. People, and, and, and we feel it, right? I'm right there. I mean, the anxiety builds so easily in me to get things done, to know how the whole thing is going to turn out. But there's a beautiful gift that we bring to the world when we slow down and actually become people that are non-anxious, unhurried, allowing God to accomplish the things that he's going to accomplish in his time, in his way. And knowing that somehow we're going to be formed in the midst of that process, but also the formation of people around us and the communities around us and the places around us, that's also going to happen as we kind of um, really take on this posture So this morning, I want us just to consider a few invitations of wilderness journeys. We're going to look in particular at a little window of David's life, 
um, from the book First Samuel. It's kind of First and Second Samuel. I believe Bill unpacked this a little bit last week. Kind of this lengthy period in uh, God's people's existence, um, the nation of Israel, and they're um, brought out of Egypt. They're out of the wilderness. They're kind of establishing their identity. And David is kind of one who maybe is beginning to understand how God is working and how he's supposed to to respond in this ongoing improv that's that's being set up. And then we'll look at a few responses that we can have as people who are continuing these wilderness journeys. So first and foremost, an invitation of wilderness journeys. Wilderness journeys invite us to slow down and settle in in a more faithful way. Allows us to slow down and settle in in a more faithful way. Um, any Shawshank Redemption movie fans in here, right? Great movie, right? Love Shawshank Redemption. Um, great story. Andy Dufresne, who is in prison, and um, he's there, and he meets a couple of guys, Red and Brooks, who are older than them. And so these guys, they're, they're dealing with, with prison life, and a lot of them like this. That's been life for decades. And so Brooks, one of the prisoners who now has, um, he's an old man now. And he's much different than when he entered into the prison. And so Brooks eventually makes it to parole. And he steps out into the real world. And as he steps out into the real world after decades in prison, he's struggling. And it's, it's one of these really like a tragic kind of sad moment in filmmaking, but also a beautiful moment where Brooks, he enters the real world and everything is moving so fast in Brooks, he says, man, it's like the world went and got in a big damn hurry. And he just, he doesn't know how to settle in in a kind of a faithful way. And so Brooks, he, he's kind of got two options. Either he can, he says at one point in time, I could just go kill somebody and go back to prison where it's safe. Or I could just check out altogether. And in this moment of tragedy, Brooks checks out altogether and ends his life in that moment. And I wonder how many of us in this world of incredible speed where we feel like we're kind of tossed all around and things are happening and we desire a script to know how it's all going to work out, how many of us maybe say it is really difficult to settle in in a faithful kind of way and say, God, I just want to trust you. I want to trust you moment by moment with just what's right in front of me. And I'm learning just to say yes to the moment in front of me, just saying yes to what you call me to today. And knowing that tomorrow there will be other things that I can say yes to. And next week there will be other things that I can say yes to. And it's an incredible struggle. But these wilderness journeys, they invite us to slow down and settle in in a faithful kind of way. They also invite us to see God in a more faithful way. So let's just kind of talk for a moment about the ways that we talk about God. How many of us have heard people say, yeah, um, you know, kind of the man upstairs, right? We hear that phrase a lot. Like, yeah, I don't want to upset the man upstairs. The man upstairs, he's looking down on me. You know, we have these kind of very ancient views of God, like God is somehow up there on his throne looking down at us, right? We, we kind of talk like that a lot. Is that a really faithful way of talking about God? Not really. Um, if we've grown up in the church long enough, maybe we hear things like this. God up there came down here, Right? God up there came down here and now interacts with us, but then God and Jesus went back up there, and eventually we're going to go back up there, right? 
And so there's these interesting ways that we talk about God, but yet as we consider life, as we consider wilderness journeys, perhaps a more faithful way of talking about who God is um, is if we were to use the words of the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer who says this, God is the beyond in the midst of our life. God is the beyond in the midst of our life, a depth of reality reached not on the borders of life, but at its center. In a sense, God is the very ground of our being, right? As you and I step out into our day today, into our week before us, into all of the things that are facing us, God is very much right there, the ground of our being with us in the midst of that. And God, in a sense, is calling us back into life in a more faithful kind of way, trusting that he's right there, learning how to say yes to the things that are right before us in the midst of that day. Love is kind of calling us back to that kind of life. So Wilderness Journeys invite us to see God in a more faithful way. Wilderness Journeys invite us to walk gracefully and mercifully upon the earth because here's the deal. If we are non-anxious and unhurried, we're going to be able to just kind of deal with each other a little more gracefully and a little more mercifully, right? What happens when we're in a hurry? I know what happens when I'm in a hurry. I expect everyone else to get on a hurry with me, right? I've got a script. We've got somewhere we're going to go. This needs to happen. Get on board. And if you don't get on board with me, either in a passive-aggressive kind of way, I'll take it out on you, or let's just be honest, sometimes in a real aggressive way, I'll just take it out on you. But when we become people who are non-anxious, non-hurried, when we're willing to enter the improv day by day, we find ourselves able to just walk gracefully and mercifully with each other. Talking again about gifts that our world desperately needs right now, is that not a tremendous gift that our world needs? People who can walk gracefully and mercifully with one another. So let's do this. Let's take a look at um, a story from the life of David in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Um, The people now have asked for a king, right? God desired to be their king. God desired to draw close to them. But the people were maybe looking for something a little more, just something with a little more clarity, right? God, we need something that's tangible, something that we can touch. So God, you being king, having that kind of relationship, I don't know. You know, we want a king like all of the other nations have, right? So Samuel, who was leading the people at that time, was really upset with the people. But God said, look, if they want a king, give them a king. So the people asked for a king. The name Saul actually means ask in Hebrew. So the people asked for a king. God gave them an ask. It's kind of a little kind of comedic joke that God's playing with the people here. Um, But Saul, he's not quite getting it, right? So then all of a sudden, um, now God says, I'm going to anoint a king of my choosing, right? So um, Samuel goes, and he goes to the household of Jesse, David, the youngest son, who's out tending the sheep. Of course, there's sons who are taller and stronger and more handsome, and so we think maybe they're going to be king, but God says, no, 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 there's this, there's this other son out tending the sheep. I choose him. I choose him. God looks at it a different way. And so here's David now, who's been anointed king, but yet Saul is still king. So David's in this tension, Right? He's in this tension of kind of coming out of the wilderness, discovering who he is, the anointing that God's placed on his life, but how is he to respond to this? And in the midst of all of this tension, now Saul, the current king, is growing upset because David is growing more and more popular with each passing season. 
And so Saul is actually trying to kill David, pursuing David. And so we find this moment in 1 Samuel chapter 24 where Saul is going to pursue David with about 3,000 of his men. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. It's a brilliant moment in the biblical story. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were back, were far back in the cave. Just picture this, right? I mean, here's David on the run in the midst of tension. Far back in the cave, and here's the king who's coming to kill him, to look for him, coming in to relieve himself. I mean, is this not a brilliant moment just to kind of like, let's seize the moment right here, finally. You know, the script that I know is going to play out. I'm the one becoming king. Let's get on with this, right? Let's make this happen. You can just feel the moment building, and David's men feel it. And so the men in verse 4 said, Oh, David, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. How does that happen? Fascinating story, right? David creeps up behind Saul as he's relieving himself, cuts off a corner of his robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. David's in attention. David is God's anointed, but so is Saul. This is true. This is true, but yet this is true too. Um, this needs to happen, but this is in the way. Right? You, can, you can feel the tension that's there. And a lot of times, what do we do? In the midst of tension, we get in a hurry. We want to make things happen. And we deal ruthlessly with each other. We get focused on our own desires and relieving the tension that we want to have relieved. And the focus is all on ourselves and everything around us suffers. People close to us. The neighborhoods we live in. The city we call home. Because somehow it becomes all about us. This is kind of a, this is an emergency kind of situation that David is in, right? I mean, it really is. David's life is being pursued. It's an emergency situation, and usually in emergencies like this where we say there is a lot of tension here, and if we don't deal with this quick, this could get real ugly. And right now, even in the midst of the world, in the midst of the country that we live in, people are living with kind of this, this anxiety that's just stewing in us, like, it almost feels like it's somewhat of an emergency situation, right? And we get very anxiety-ridden, and we kind of get in a hurry to want to fix things and try to see things changed as we think they should be changed. And all of a sudden, it's real easy to kind of deal ruthlessly with each other and to kind of want to relieve the tension that's in us. 
And in the midst of this emergency, David is able to kind of almost see this as, as not a like real quick solution to the emergency, but he's able to enter what I would call a long emergency. He's able to give it time and say, God is present in the midst of this, doing something. And I'm able to settle into this and say, God, in the midst of this, how am I to respond to what's going on around me? How am I to walk mercifully and gracefully with people around me? Because God, you anointed Saul, but you've also anointed me. And maybe this just needs more time to play out. And maybe there's something that I'm going to learn along the way. Maybe there's something that's going to be transformed in me. Maybe there's something that's going to be brought to life in me. Maybe something needs to die in me so that I can become more of the person that you would like me to become. How do we settle into this long emergency where we're not anxious, unhurried, allowing God to accomplish what he's going to accomplish? So what are some responses for these wilderness journeys? Maybe we can learn this just looking at David. Um, Embrace limitations. What did David do there in the cave? He had all the opportunity right there, all the power right there to do what maybe everyone was telling him to do. Just end it. Kill Saul. Make it happen now. Get on with your script. Get on with your agenda. But what does David do? David embraces limitations for his life. You talk about subversive language for our culture today. That is subversive language. Embrace limitations. Slow down. Step back. Set the script down for a while and instead say, God, what are you doing right now in the midst of this day? And as much as I'd like to see things get there in the script, there's something that you want to do right here. There's something that you need to to birth in me. There's something that needs to die in me. There's something that needs to be developed in me. Learn to live with limitations. Embrace the sacrificial way of Jesus. Embrace the sacrificial way of Jesus. David being a, a type of king ultimately who would point to Jesus being Israel's ultimate king, David here shows us in a very real way, kind of the heartbeat, the sacrificial way of Jesus, walking gracefully and mercifully with with others, trusting God's providence in the midst of what God is going to do, how God's going to bring about the results. So embrace that sacrificial way. The spiritual formation of our lives spiritual formation of our communities, our families, our neighborhoods. It's a long and slow work, guys. It's a long and slow work. Uh, We can't franchise it. We can't politicize it. We can't force it to happen. It's this ongoing improv of just saying yes to God in the way of Jesus day after day, over and over again, believing that God is at work in the midst of that. Uh, embrace that resolution to life's dilemmas is entrusting God's providence. That regardless of what happens, somehow God's goodness and God's providence and God's care over our lives is going to work and do its thing. Regardless of whatever the outcome may be. But you may say, I, but that, that outcome can't happen. I can't have that outcome happen. Right? And we say that to ourselves and we get anxious and we get hurried. But yet at the same time, are we going to limit God in that kind of way? Even if that outcome does happen, is there somehow that God's providence and goodness is going to work in a way and develop something through that in a way that I can't understand? We have to embrace 
that resolutions to life's dilemmas is entrusting God's providence. Finally, last but not least, embrace unknown tastes on your life's palate. David, who wrote a number of the Psalms, in one of his Psalms, Psalms 34, 8, says these words, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. As we close this morning, let's just consider the five senses. Notice David doesn't say, look and see that the Lord is good, right? You can go up on a, on a high hill here in Nebraska, right? You can see the sky for miles. You can see off in the distance. And you may see something off in the distance. And David doesn't say, look and see that God is good. He also doesn't say, hear and see that God is good, right? Because if we want to go to the next level of sense, we can see something far away, but as it draws closer, we might hear it. Notice David doesn't say, um, smell and see that the Lord is good, right? Because even as it draws closer, whatever it is, maybe we can smell it. David doesn't even say, touch and see that the Lord is good. But David says, taste the most intimate of the senses, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we taste something, any space between subject and object is dissolved, right? It's the most intimate of the senses. And so we have to learn how to embrace unknown tastes on our palate, that if we're willing to trust God, not hurry, not grow anxious, just saying yes to what's right in front of us, that God is going to allow us to taste his goodness in a whole new way. I know we have coffee drinkers here, right? Got to have the coffee in the morning. The coffee bean, it's roasted. It's put through the fire. It's ground up. It's ground up, and then it's poured out for you. Sounds similar to the life of Jesus. Right? Every time we come to these tables as a community, we remember that Jesus, God in the flesh, came, walked through the wilderness, experienced everything that we experienced, the difficulty, the hardship, the pain, the despair of life, went through the fire, allow his life to be ground up and then pour out for us, that somehow as his life is poured out for us, we receive life, we receive grace, we receive mercy. And that happens so then we go out from this place and as we continue to walk through the challenges before us in, in, in non-anxious, unhurried ways, we ourselves are ground up and poured out for the life of our neighborhoods, our communities, our homes, our schools, our workplaces. Let's settle into it, guys. Let's settle into this journey and let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to invite um, Landon and Nick back up here as they close us in song. And I want to encourage us, as, you, um, as you're here this morning, if you're here and you're saying, yes, yes, following Jesus is, is I, I believe that's where life is at. And whether you've been saying yes to that for a long period of time, or maybe you're just beginning to say yes to that. We invite you to come to these tables, to take the bread, to dip it into the cup. And in some way, the presence of Jesus is here with us as a reminder that his life, that his life was tested, put through the fire, 
but he was faithful to God. His life was ground up but poured out for us that our sins are forgiven, that we have new life, that we have mercy, that we have grace. But then we receive this so that we can go out and do the same thing in all of the spaces around us this week. So let me pray for us, and let's allow this to be a time where you can maybe just come and say, yes, Jesus. Yes, much like David and Jesus, very much like you, our true king. I want to slow down. I want to settle in. I want to hand over the anxiety that I'm feeling. I want to release the speed of the script that I'm holding on to. And I just want to surrender that to you. So God, thank you. Thank you for these wilderness stories that in so many ways are pictures of our own life's stories. God, thank you for David, who in this moment entrusted himself to you, didn't rush, didn't get aggressive, but instead entrusted himself to you and allowed your providence, your goodness to carry him through. And thank you for David who reminds us of the opportunity that we now, just like himself, are able to taste and see that you are good as we slow down, as we let go of the script, as we cast our anxiety onto you. God, would you send us out into this week being a gift to our world, a gift of an unhurried, non-anxious presence that we could truly be with people, with people who are in pain, with people who are in despair, in brokenness, together, that we can do that together, but that we can also do that with others who maybe aren't a part of our community yet, but God, you're inviting them to come to this table too. We're excited to see what the future holds. So God, do something special in our midst now, we pray. We come to you. We come to you as needy people. And God, you meet us. You meet us in gracious ways. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.